my name is Matt Gooding. Um, I'm a forever user of growers, second generation, since uh, the, uh, my dad started with this company back in 1958 and did a lot of the initial research and development. And uh, even to this day now, that's kind of been a role that has been repi uh, um, kind of put on myself um, once again to do a lot of the uh, research and, and sales education development um, for growers in addition to farming. So that said, um, tonight we're just going to talk about a number of things. Uh, today we were at a, personally, we were at a show down at Mount Hope. It's a big, uh, big show every year that they have for fruit and vegetable people primarily. And, and uh, boy, I tell you, lots of people out. One of the things that kind of took us back, um, all of us that were there, is the lack of uh, any sort of liquid fertilizer companies. A lot of them have merged. Some of them have absolutely flat out gone broke and gone. And we were kind of taken aback by that. And also we noticed a significant number of uh, new uh, composting operations. Uh, they're all competing against one another, and it's, it's amazing. Almost a dozen different types of manure pelletizing operations, composting operations, and it seems to be the big in thing, and boy, are they cutthroating one another left and right. So I was kind of taken aback. We were surprised at uh, just kind of the differences in that respect. Now, in the world of water, um, we're seeing all sorts of things. Uh, growers has kind of made a commitment to also teach our customer and sales base on, on water, um, the different aspects of the benefits of water and understanding some of the reactive uh, qualities to it. I know the research and sales team together, we've kind of developed a grower's test kit. And you're going to be seeing your salesman kind of carrying this thing around. And it'll be available to our customers also um, at a kind of a shared cost. And it's a, basically it's a bag and, uh, uh, full of different bottles and different test equipment. So we can kind of see if your water has a reactive quality to it. In other words, uh, if there's a time when you put anything in that water, especially agricultural, um, even kind of like mixed milk, um, even baby formula, we can kind of tell if that water is not uh, allowing what you're putting in it to be as effective as it could be. And uh, I will tell you that I've been developing this and doing this for 35 years this way, and we have saved, I, I don't know how many, I know we're up in the six figures in terms of saving our customers um, a lot of time and money uh, by running this kit and just understanding some things about water. So whether you're a salesman listening or a customer listening, you know, kind of pay attention to this stuff because it's got a lot of history behind it, a lot of teaching value, and a lot of eye-opening aha moments behind it. Now, it's kind of funny, too. One of the things is, is where I live, we live two miles away from Heidelberg uh, Water Quality Lab. Now, that particular lab is one of the laboratories that um, is, a, is an affiliate to a college, um, uh, but they don't have any uh, criteria or academics around. It's kind of an independent lab in the middle of a college campus. And that particular college has been come, become paramount in monitoring of waters, uh, surface waters, um, river waters. I think they have 23 different monitoring stations currently that take water samples at least once, once a day. And they're all gathered and they all come in and systematically data logged. And in some cases, some of these, uh, these testing facilities have pulled water since 1977. And so they're developing all sorts of uh, a lot of the news you hear and everything flows through this college 
anything to deal with phosphates and nutrient management, they're aware of pretty much all that. And um, so we're fortunate to have uh, a relationship with them where we can check in every now and then and see kind of what's going on in the regulatory world. And we did that not long ago. And uh, it is interesting to note that uh, we also had some government people show up when they heard we were coming. And uh, it's kind of it's fascinating to us that these government people are highly stressed because uh, they're caught in a vice. They basically got uh, a situation where they have all this data from Heidelberg on what's going wrong. Um, they do not have remotely have the manpower or anything to be able to get uh, any of the uh, any sort of regulations that they may be handed down. They are just um, underfunded and undermanned to do anything. And in the meantime, you have a whole farming community that's struggling, that's afraid to begin to even use less of anything. And not to mention, they have the seed companies and the local co-ops, you know, still pushing them to use these fertilizers. Um, uh, even though they're trying to address the, the nutrient management aspects by doing variable rates and things, but the reality of it is it becomes just as expensive to do it that way as it was uh, just a broadcast or, or switch to something else. But the other thing that's interesting, too, there's a development uh, out of Heidelberg. They have on their website, and I just I downloaded kind of the latest version. And they're working on a toolbox, and they call it the Best Management Practices. In other words, what they're doing is, is they're saying, okay, how do you put on your fertilizers and what does that score? So they're scoring it and they're, just, they're making a, a, the scale goes from minus 3 to plus 5. And minus 3 means that it has a very negative effect and plus 5 means it's a positive effect on soil profiles. And so little things like if you have um, ability to plug your tile draining from a field, that's a positive. That would be like a plus one. Um, if you don't, you know, it's kind of a minus one. And we're seeing that sort of effect. Um, here in northwest Ohio, we have almost 700,000 miles of tile in just the corner of Ohio, basically, the, 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 the northwest versions of it that basically drain out of two different rivers in the Lake Erie. Now, the problem there is, is, is that's where most of the phosphate's coming from, and they know the field tiles is shipping a lot of this stuff straight in. And so consequently, we look here, and it's kind of interesting, the growers program, the way we kind of have our mindset and everything, you know, every area of management, whether it's uh, how, how conservative cropping, whether our tillage, how the nutrient management, we all uh, score in the plus side. And so it puts us in a good place. And uh, we're going to be doing more investigating and watching this and communicating to our customers um, exactly what uh, um, different practices are going to score well in the event that this regulation never gets some teeth and well-funded. Because when it does, it'll come fast. And so that research and sales development team that we're on, one of the things that growers did is, is they kind of revived um, some of the old things that I've seen in the past, and they said, hey, what do you need to be able to make some of this stuff visual? And so they, we now have here in the farm a small lab where we've been doing all sorts of different work. And for those of you who have a calendar in front of you, if you have one, and let me describe if you don't, um, as this whole uh, conference call program basically follows a grower's calendar. So if you don't have one from your salesman, um, pound them a little bit and get yourself a calendar because every month whatever pictures on that calendar that person is highlighted 
And uh, for this month, it was kind of an opening picture that kind of started a lot of this lab idea and making things more visual to have more conf uh, conversation pieces. And so this month in January, we have a, uh, one of the, I think I did this about two years ago, a uh, picture of Petri dish for those of you don't, who do not have it, um, a Petri dish with uh, actually three pieces of blotter paper in it. Um, two of the pieces of paper are half moon, so to speak, to fit in that uh, 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 Petri dish. And they're cut back in such a way that down the middle, we put another strip of paper. Now down the middle of this is a blotter paper, and there's seven wheat seeds placed end to end, top to bottom. And what we did with that is, is in that strip of paper in the middle of these two half moon shapes in a Petri dish, we put up uh, these wheat seeds and soaked them in pure rainwater um, to get them started. And on each side, in each side of this dish, there's a gap between this half moon blotter paper, so right hand side and left hand side. On the left hand side, we soaked a 50 to 1 ratio of 103040, a common starter fertilizer used here in northwest Ohio and really across the states. On the right, we did the same thing with uh, growers. Uh, at 50 to 1. And we basically, the goal was is to let the wheat seeds sprout in the pure water in the middle and let the roots decide, you know, what choice they would have. In other words, give them a choice. Because a lot of this stuff that we see, we've seen that plants do um, have a lot, a lot more knowledge of their environment than what we give them credit for. And the results, if you're listening, you need to kind of see this picture. And if you, you've seen it, I'm sure, in a grower's um, a newsletter, because it's been in there at least twice in the past, I believe, um, certainly once, maybe twice. But the reality of it is, is the roots all found the grower's side pretty quickly, even in an event that some of the roots actually touched the 1034-0 side and then retreated back to the grower's side. Now, that's just a simple test, and, and a lot of, there's a lot of history with a lot of the different simple tests you'll see coming out of this lab or what I have planned and what some of you are giving me ideas for. But a lot of the base stuff that I work from is, um, comes from a history of when I was a youngster, about 19, and bought a hydroponic greenhouse back when greenhouses weren't cool. And uh, we put this whole greenhouse together and, and uh, started in, and we raised uh, cucumbers and lettuce and tomatoes. And uh, one of the issues we found out quite quickly was just exactly how um, nutrient-dense a gallon of growers is. Uh, we took and we, we mimicked what the common dry fertilizers that they used to mix in the water to feed these plants back then, and this was in the 80s. Um, there's, a, there's a device called a TDS meter. That's one of the things that's in this water test kit that you'll, that you'll, you'll be uh, uh, seeing as the, as the dealers and, uh, and some of the customers who have these. You'll get to see these and get to test your water with them. But total dissolved solids is just measuring the, by an electrical induction uh, on a scale the level of elemental minerals that's in water. For instance, like rainwater would be a zero. Um, as soon as you start throwing a little fertilizer, coffee, anything that will have a carry an elemental balance, that number goes up. And so what I did back then, naively at 19, is thinking growers, you just dump it in at the same amount or TDS or concentration or saltiness, if you will, as the traditional dry fertilizers, and let's see what happens. But I soon learned that growers basically destroyed the roots of those plants. And it took me quite a little while 
to figure out that uh, even though the TDS is the same, because of the arrangement and availability of growers, we were able to use significantly less of it. And so that's where a lot of these tests come from, is showing people the different salt loads and understanding, helping them understand why a gallon of growers um, goes so much farther than any other gallon of any other liquid. And then we're also liquefying dry fertilizers now, and we're doing some different things uh, with some other nutrition to kind of show you exactly what's so unique about this particular formula. And so you'll be seeing more of them coming out um, as we get them processed. They, basically, I'm not the greatest uh, writer. I'm more of a curious type and can put stuff together and think it up. And it all goes into the grower sales team there, the two Zachs and Jim Albison there, and they, they'll spit it out. And uh, you'll see it in newsletters, and the various salesmen will have a lot of this. And it will show up at the meetings too, you know, again, just to help um, everyone kind of understand what's going on out here and to see things maybe they haven't seen before. And so some of the things we have planned and some of the things we've done, we've actually evaporated um, source water from wells also. And uh, we show exactly how much mineral concentration is just in your local gallon of well water. You'll be shocked. I was shocked when we did that. We, we made up a special glass plate on top of a wood stove and evaporated all the water and left the minerals behind, and then we'd scrape those minerals off and we'd weigh them. And uh, quite astounding at some of the things we see in that. And uh, some of the stuff we did with those dry minerals that came from the water um, was quite, I was even quite taken aback. But it really shows a lot about uh, how water chemistry affects everything you're doing agriculturally. And I think if they're in, in some areas, like in our area, northwest Ohio here, um, we're the hardest hit of the nation in terms of, of people that weren't able to plant. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, financial distress. Uh, it's everywhere with markets and everything. And I will tell you, probably one of your best investments is just your time in understanding water chemistry again. I can't tell you how important that is. Um, it just costs you some time and some thought and some realizations, and you'll be able to take that uh, on an individual basis and utilize that to help your inputs be more effective. And that's everything, herbicides, fungicides, insecticides, fertilizers, um, powdered milk to baby calves. Uh, I'm telling you, it, uh, it's something that you need to, to learn, and uh, it, it, it's, uh, its advantage will be huge. Back to what we're doing in the lab. Um, we're actually taking dry fertilizers and comparing them to growers. And uh, some of the results on this, we're doing it both biologically, we're growing plants on it, and we're doing some chemistry breakdowns that you really need to see to believe. Um, again, I was quite taken aback. We got some things uh, ongoing here lately um, that will be coming out all through the summer, or through the spring, excuse me. Um, and you'll be amazed at... Uh, just again the value of this product. Um, one thing, I grew up, I'm in my mid-50s, never knowing what dry fertilizer was. Um, never used it on this farm. Um, we have farms that are on this growers program that's never used it, that's have record corn yields once again this year uh, in the area. And so, um, so much of this is the recurrent use of this program and product. Um, seems to create a domino effect, and you'll see from some of these lab results why that is. 
Um, and so get around somebody that has this data. Uh, growers is just about ready to start releasing it to their salesmen. Um, certainly if you're a customer listening and you go, what is, these, what is this guy talking about? What is he doing? Um, um, certainly find them and track them down uh, and learn some of this stuff. It'll, it'll kind of open your eyes. I know personally we're running uh, 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 probably half a dozen meetings here through the end of the month, again, to kind of expose the customer base to this information. So we think it's real important. It's really going to help um, get through this tough economic times. It doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. So the other thing, too, is, is one of the reasons we're doing this, too, is, is we, we want to address a lot of the economic issues going on also. And the two Zacks are kind of taking up a kind of the mantle on that and, and slowly starting to teach people how to be able to do cost analysis on their inputs from their fertilizer side. Now, 15 years ago, I created a sheet that was basically to be able to put somebody's current fertilizer program down and compare it to what we think growers, you know, would typically be on, this, on, this, on their particular crop and farm management. And, um, you know, what's interesting about that, in the 15 years since I've created that, I've never been able to sit down with a new customer and fill that sheet out because the customer has no idea what he has per acre in fertilizer costs to be able to even start doing it. Um, that's been shocking. Now, recently, um, and with the economic turn, that's starting to get a little bit more where there's more people that are starting to learn that. And um, that's been shocking. Um, I think if you go, oh, you're kidding me, 15 years and you've never got to do that? And no, and it's 100% because the new customer has no idea how to be able, able even to be able to break down what he has in amounts, let alone cost per acre, to do a full analysis. How crazy is that? So again, we, we've, we've been doing this in many ways. Um, one of the fun things, we had some plants kind of show us uh, the difference between some of these, uh, we always like to call them El Cheapos. You know, there's always something out there that's four, five, six, seven dollars a gallon, and they're always saying, well, you know, we can do everything growers can. And so we were able to take some of those fertilizers and break them down and show you um, a lot of different information from that. And it kind of culminates with the plants kind of being the trump card on that, um, showing that um, in terms of growth, in terms of dilution of growers, it's so much cheaper. Um, a gallon of growers just goes so much farther than most other liquids or anything I've encountered to date. Uh, so, so those are the things that are happening right now out here. Uh, looking forward to the season, too. Um, we've got some different experiments we're going to start working with. One of the big questions we're always getting hit up with, and, and, you know, we feel it needs to be revisited. It's a, I don't know if it's a proud, it's a collimation of a couple things. And uh, I'll just throw this out at you because I know, a lot of dealers, um, district managers, and customers are listening in. And one of the things we're seeing is, is growers, when my dad started with it, and if you look at some of his old data, he was running three gallons of the acre, you know, on corn back in 1961. He was getting 158 bushel of the acre on about 13 to 14,000 seeds per acre. I mean, you proportionate that today, and that's crazy good um, when you really think about that. 
And so he used to keep all the data on exactly how much he had in every acre. And, and again, one of the things he did, and a lot of people didn't from that era, is the seeds planted per acre. And um, always appreciated Dad making up signs and taking pictures of them. And it was always uh, population per acre. And, and he, he rarely planted anything over 15,000 back then and getting that type of yield. Well, today, you know, we plant 30,000, 30,000 something in seeds. And slowly the amount of growers per, um, per acre at planting has gone up. I mean, it, it got into the four and then five and then six over the years. And, and then we kind of did another little twist. And, and there's something that I think we want to revisit and kind of look at and think through. And a lot of this data that we're doing in the lab will kind of help create and foster that conversation. But here's the thing, you know, we have advanced technologically um, in our ability to put fluid fertilizers anywhere we want around that seed. You know, we can put it off to the side. We can put it, we can soak the trench. You know, the, the whole technology, the electric pumps, the, you know, the different rate controllers and everything, that technology has gone up that, that we are getting where I'm beginning to think that, that putting a full seven or eight gallon directly on the seed with some of this new technology isn't necessarily getting the most out of the fertilizer a benefit. And a lot of that is because of the biology effect that you'll see in some of the uh, results we're coming from the lab on bacteria. You know, soil biology loves this growers. And dumping it all in the row in one place may not be necessarily the best thing to do. And if you start looking around, I mean, some of these guys that are, that are a little more successful, oddly enough, is some of the people that has made modifications where they're putting some on the seed and some off to the side. And uh, again, that makes sense, and you'll start to see why here um, in some of these root tracking experiments that we did here, that you'll see that that soil biology is enlivened more where growers is and the roots track to it. And so we're not oversaturating an area, we're actually spreading that material out, so to speak. There seems to be an advantage to that, and again, we want to kind of look and, uh, and dig into that a little bit. You know, the funny thing is, is we have uh, a lot of Amish people, customers of mine, who um, are pretty much stuck on using anywhere from six to eight gallons of the acre in the row, and uh, with their manure and sometimes just a little bit of, uh, um, oh, when they cultivate, they'll put in a little bit of urea, they're getting some tremendous corn crops. And one of the things about that is if you look at their application method, they're not necessarily using the precision high-tech stuff. And so consequently, um, picture kind of a wiggly line out of the back of their planter from the, from the horse kind of jerking back and forth. And so when the growers is dropping down into the trench um, behind those planters, it's kind of coating all around. I mean, if you kind of look at it, in some cases, it's an inch on either side. In some cases, it's directly on the seed. It's kind of that wobbly effect, so to speak, the wiggly worm effect. And so, you know, what's going on there is, is I suspect we're seeing um, a lot of uh, biological advantages to having that growers kind of spread out, so to speak, in within those initial root zones, not to eliminate it on the seed, but certainly to kind of spread that out. And so... That's kind of what we're looking into. We're going to be outfitting um, a corn planter with uh, a couple, of, well, actually, I think three different ways. We're kind of going to, we haven't really decided on the design yet, 
but we want to kind of put the, the fertilizer on in three different formats like that and kind of really watch the, the roots and, yes, ultimately the yield. But just to see how the plant handles it, there's some different tests we're going to come up with that will be able to We'll be able to see that. I have some ideas on that. I don't know what will bomb. I know some of the stuff, some of the ideas I have won't work, but we're going to keep trying to be able to have a good conversation to, to give our customers kind of a better feel on, on how to even better place this and get more bang for their buck out of the, a gallon of this fertilizer. You're going to realize um, we're not still fully, fully utilizing it yet in, in what we're starting to see here. We, we can be better. And so the same thing's going to happen with a grain drill. Um, finally, I'm going to purchase a grain drill. I'm so tired of my dad's 40-year-old one, and, and you know how it is. Oh, one more year, one more year. Well, no more years. Um, I think uh, any type of no-till grain drill, whatever we decide to buy, I'm, we're going to go in half on this with, uh, with one of the Zacks there, and, and we're going to outfit that too where we put growers on in different ways um, in around the, the soybeans and the wheat and the uh, hay that we'll be planting with that. And again, we'll kind of be watching that sort of thing. That's kind of in the works. Um, we also want to be able to uh, have a, uh, we're going to redesign a sprayer, that, an old sprayer that's out here. And we're going to be able to put two different rates of growers or whatever different substances that we want um, on in the same path. In other words, one side of the sprayer could be spraying two gallon of growers to the acre, the other one. And we're going to GPS it, and we're going to put like a check in between. And some of the newer hay fields, we're going to do that for the life of that hay field. And so we're going to be able to watch and see what kind of you know, not only yield, but quality and, and weatherability we get. Because we see all these things all the time. You know, our customers are telling us, you know, even in this stress year, Anybody that got something out, um, all of them said they had a good year. If they were able to plant, they were thrilled um, and were surprised at how good uh, everything went, um, despite whether they were grain or vegetable. Um, and even some of the fruit tree guys, they didn't get froze off, which wasn't their fault. They were mildly surprised at how well everything went. The ability of this program to recover from, from weather, um, Weather issues is just is just huge, and again, it it always shines in a year like this, um, and so we're seeing a lot of that. So that kind of roughs out what we're doing in the in the world of research and development. Um, again, spend some time if you're a customer, kind of shake the dealer. Um, they'll have a lot of this information in front of them, be able to share with you, and uh, you know everybody can have a collective aha moment. I'm really excited for my customers to see it. I can't wait to do meetings and kind of watch. And, and um, you know, a grower's customer, they're, they're all pretty, uh, pretty sharp. Um, and so it's going to be fun to, to be able to kind of shake that mind a little bit because I know some stuff's going to fall out that's going to be greater for all of us in many ways yet to be seen. So um, certainly looking for that enjoyment of that. So I'm tired. I've been talking for nine hours at a show, and I just probably did a half hour with you. So there's a nice little thing called Star Six. So if you got a Star Six and you got a question for me, now problem is, is Carla's panicking. Uh, she's up at Milan running this whole board on this whole thing. 
So she, um, she tries to make sure that not too many of you jump on at once. Um, sometimes, and most of the time, nobody has a question at all. But uh, if you have one, just go ahead and hit star six and, and uh, fire a question. Other than that, this is a short evening, gentlemen. So uh, star six. Three, two, one. Star six one more time. Other than that, um, I think I'm done for the evening. Um, again, uh, everybody's on the road. Everybody's busy. The demands for meetings and time. Um, our phones are ringing like crazy. Um, ah, there we got somebody. Star six. Hey, you got Matt. a question? Yeah. yeah. It's Marty Hitchcock. West Central Indiana. When, when will those kids... Uh, when will those kits be in, those water test kits? Water test kits are being made as you speak. Um, I'm Part of it's my fault. Uh, kind of developed it late. We had to put paperwork together, and we had to get all the, the uh, different ingredients. There's 11 different things in it, um, paperwork and such, and they're being made available right along, and Carla's shipping them off. In fact, I took five of them down to give to some of the salesmen that were at the show today down in Mount Hope, Ohio. So um, as fast as they're being made and stuff coming in, they're, they're going to be coming out right along. The goal is to get them to the salesman first and then our customer second. Okay? Yep. Yep. Another question? Another question out there. Go ahead. There's somebody open with an open mic. Go ahead. Somebody who doesn't want to talk with an open mic. 